Well, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Mutiny Radio listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the 4th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows, 5 days, all here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, 5 days, amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians bringing you comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets, $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counter Offer and Subliminal SF. Saturday mutineers nice to talk to you this is the B here on labor and love radio Oh, <laughs> 
Can write in my face. I guess I'm gonna have to put you in your place. You know, if silence was golden, you couldn't raise a dime. Dedicated to the Donald, your mind is on vacation. When the wind stops blowing, your TV goes off. I'm sorry to hear that. You quoting figures and dropping names. You're telling stories about the days You're over laughing when things ain't funny You're trying to sound like the big money You know if talk was criminal You'd lead a life of crime Because your man is on vacation And your mouth is working overtime
know that life is short, talk is cheap. Don't be making promises that you can't keep. You don't like this little song I'm singing, just grinning bad. All I can say is if the shoe fits right and you must keep talking, please try to make it right. Because your mind is on vacation and your mouth is working. Good morning, mutineers. This is the Labor and Love Show. Welcome. Work on the morning shift with you from 10 to 12 every Saturday morning. Bringing you labor news, opinion, history, commentary, and music of social significance. Morning, everybody. That was uh, Mose Allison. Mose Allison telling our president how it is. Your mind is on vacation. Mr. Trump said that uh, wind energy was no good because when the wind stopped, you would lose your television reception. Now, does Mr. Trump really believe this? I doubt it. I doubt it. If he's the kind of businessman uh, who's made all kinds of deals and is aware of what's going on around him, at least in finance, he's going to know that's not the case. However, he, in his mind, his base doesn't know that. His people don't know that in his mind. He has such a low opinion of Americans and who we are. Anyway, your mind is on vacation, Donald. Mose Allison says so. Before that, Betty Carter with The Good Life. Uh, I just played it because I like the song. <clears throat> I've been, that song's been going through my mind all week. The Good Life. If you ever wonder why, just wake up and kiss the good life goodbye. And before that, the perfect song for a foggy Saturday morning in the mission. The West End Blues, certainly one of the most influential recordings in jazz history. The West End Blues. Louis Armstrong and his hot five. Well, what have we got for you today? Well, first we've got our credos and we've got our mottos. So let's go with the mottos first. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. In fact, I can guarantee it. People are sitting around dividing up your life. Never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio. 
where the labor meets the road. What do we got? We've got the life and times of Luisa Moreno, a very effective labor organizer who worked in Southern California in the 30s and 40s, an organizer and a civil rights leader, Luisa Moreno. We're gonna go look at Labor 411. They've got several articles about the labor movement. Women actually make less than 80 cents to a man's dollar. Sears and its 90,000 retirees. Labor leads way on hotel room panic buttons. Union activity heats up as video game giant announces layoffs. We'll have to check that out and see what's happening. 2019 layoffs are the highest for a first quarter decade. We've got Radio Labor, our news report about union and labor organizing all over the all over the globe. Teacher strike in Sacramento this week. We'll take a look at that. They're doing a one-day strike on April 11th. Got a special treat today. Got Bishop Bullwinkle. I want to thank Mr. E.J. Coleman for uh, recommending this this really great recording uh, of a preacher, a rapping preacher. Hispanic workers leave job after a couple was fired and shut the whole plant down. I just love that. So we're going to hear that again. Working class history. The history. What happened on these days in labor history? Martin Luther King, we know, was murdered at the beginning of April in uh, 1968. But we'll take a look at other things that have happened on these days. Okay, I want to play this one. This is Bishop Bullwinkle. Okay, Bishop Bullwinkle, and this this video has gone global. It has millions of touches. Uh, Hell with a no no no.
Sister Ruth, make sure that everybody get a seat. Come on, y'all. Sister Lily, may go back in the kitchen, cause when I get through, I need to eat. I must fix me collard greens and cornbread and rice. Chicken breast, oxtails on the side. That's what I'm talking Eagle about. Eagle wood, get my pizza ready, cause when I get through, I need to ride. Come on. West, count the money, count the money, coming back and tell us what you raised. We had to find another deal. I got some people there looking for some best. First, God got to get the praise. Come on, y'all. See, there's an old saying when the praise go up, you get the blessing coming down. I got some people in the church, God Almighty, look at them, they're messing around. Come on, come on. Woo. Hell no. Tell them no, no, no. Hell to the no. Church smoking weed, drinking whiskey, they drinking a lot of gin. What you say? I got the preacher with the night prayer meeting. Talking about can I get an amen? Come on! Early Sunday morning, about a quarter and a half past the ten. Yeah! I got some people, they coming off the street. God Almighty, look at them, they strolling in. They need help. They laying at the altar, they confess the sin, their sin. Come on, wait! Time is here, Monday morning, they doing the same. Was uh, I was Bishop Bullwinkle, 
Hail to the now, now, now with a bicycle. He's got a bicycle in the video. Hell no to the now, now, now. When they forgot to put your overtime on your paycheck. Hell no to the now, now, now. When the boss comes and tells you that I want you to take a vacation. They need to lay you off for a while. Hell no to the now, now, now. Hell no. Okay, that's Bishop Bullwinkle, and that is an incredible, that's a viral. It's got 35 million views. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful song, beautiful beat. I want to thank Mr. E.J. Coleman for uh, turning me on to that one. His Motorhead, they've got a little different approach. Bishop Bullwinkle says, Hell now to the now, now, now. Hell no to the now, now, now. This one is Eat the Rich by Motorhead. Don't you give me no switch Come on baby and eat the rich 
something from us nice easy Left there's just one thing job down in the city. you see we never ever do nothing Working for the man nice every night and easy day. we always But do it never lost nice one minute and rough and we're gonna take the beginning of this song the thing and do it been. easy big wheel But then we're gonna do the finish. Rough. Proud Mary. The way we do. Proud Mary. And we're rolling. Yeah. 
Okay, that set was pretty lively set. We just had Proud Mary by uh, Tina Turner telling about a working guy who's uh, worked up and down the river, pumped a lot of tain down in New Orleans, and how the river people are happy to give. For that, eat the rich. Need I say more, Motorhead. Eat the Rich brings to mind the uh, famous, well, you read it in all the English classes anyway, the famous essay by Jonathan Swift, creator of uh, Gulliver's Travels, who uh, wrote a, a piece called A Modest Proposal, in which he decided that the uh, English the English government, instead of struggling with uh, the homeless kids who were all over the streets because their parents were all working, uh, that they should eat the kids, that we should eat the kids. And talks about how to cook them and stuff like that. Savage, savage satire. Eat the rich, say Motorhead. And then before that, we said hell no to the no-no. And Bishop Bullwinkle, with a really excellent, excellent beat, excellent song. No wonder it's so popular on the, uh, on the internet. Well, right now we're going to turn to the global labor movement. The way we win here is by making alliances, making alliances here with other groups and internationally, worldwide, all over the globe, all over the globe, people are rising up and protesting and they always have, they always have. Radio Labor. It's on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, April 5th, 2019. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, an uprising by Google employees to protect the company's temporary workers. The need for an international law to protect women against violence in the workplace. The Labor Start report about union events around the world and singing. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union till the day I die. This is Radio Labor. Employees of the giant tech company Google are fighting back against the working conditions of the huge numbers of temporary vendor and contract employees the company employs. Just recently, 900 Google workers signed a petition calling on the company to better treat what are known as TVC workers. To better understand the situation of TVC workers, I talked to Christy Hoffman. Ms. Hoffman is the General Secretary of Uni Global Union. Uni is the labor organization which represents tech workers at the world level. I asked her about TVC workers and the actions of the Google employees. The Google workers have put up a protest around the conditions for what they call the TVCs at Google, which are the temporary vendors and contractors. And you have to go back to last November when Google workers organized a short strike, but a strike across the world, 20,000 workers walked out. 
around a series of demands. It was triggered by sexual harassment, but there was also a demand for equal treatment of the temporary workers. Over half of the Google workforce, so globally it's 122,000 people, are actually employed by agencies, not by Google, or they're independent contractors. So that's a sizable amount. And the Google workers put some demands on the table, ending forced arbitration, better processes for sexual harassment, and equality for the TVCs. This issue popped up again because Google dismissed some of the TVCs ahead of their contract expiration. And the Google full-time employees came together to protest and present a petition to uh, Google. In the end, a couple days ago, Google made offer, which does not actually create full-time employment for these temporary workers, but they did decide to announce a requirement that the temp agencies should provide at least some paid time off and health insurance and a minimum wage of $15 an hour, which, as you can imagine, if you're a Google engineer, $15 an hour doesn't sound like a heck of a lot, but that's a bit of a step forward, which is to say they will impose some minimal conditions on their on their agencies. It still doesn't address the really gross, huge abuse of the thousands and thousands of workers working alongside their full-time employees who have lesser status, less money, different benefits, and they have no legal protection against discrimination and so on because they're not Google employees. Why is Google using so many temporary vendor and contract workers? Well, I think for the reasons I just said, their conditions are far lower. I did see one woman online who was an engineer, so therefore very highly skilled, saying she was working for 40000 a year as a, as a temp employee. They would argue that they need flexibility to deal with the ups and downs of projects. I think that it has more to do with avoiding legal liability for these workers because there's a huge difference between the rights of employees and the rights of these temporary vendors and contractors. And this is such a big trend in the United States. There are no regulations to limit the use of temporary employees. And it's a trend that we see more and more across both the tech industry and in the economy at large. What's the solution to this extraordinarily high use of vendor, temporary, and contract workers? Well, I think like most solutions to labor issues, it's got to be a combination of collective power and regulation. And in this regard, it's fantastic that the Google workers are standing up to Google on this question and demanding equal treatment. And you also have a very unregulated industry in the U.S., unlike Europe, where the law says you have to pay temp agency workers the same or better than their counterparts, the people they're working alongside doing the same work. They have to be paid the same, and in some countries, more. And certainly, like in Italy, the collective agreement says they have to be paid 15% more. So you're reducing the incentive to abuse the temp agency workers by leveling, if not increasing the cost, because they are intended to be for peak periods. And, you know, yes, some ups and downs, one could justify some temporary workers, but not at the scale of Google where it's half your workforce. The other piece is the ILO has come out with a recommendation, the ILO Commission on the Future of Work, for a universal labor guarantee, which would be that all workers, no matter what their form of contract, would have minimum guarantees of the right to organize um, the same social benefit packages and a living wage. Now, 
whether the right to organize in, in an environment in the United States where you're already temporary, whether that's realistic, you know, we could debate that. But I think the point is that we have to lift up the floor for the workers who are not direct employees, embed some disincentives for the employers to abuse that model, but also reduce the incentives, but also regulate so that it's not possible. And that can happen through collective bargaining, that you can't just have all half your workforce be temporary. Unions around the world are lobbying their governments to support an international law which condemns violence against women in the workplace. The law is to be discussed at the 2019 Conference of the International Labor Organization. The ILO is the UN agency focused on matters of work in the world. At the conference, the three social partners, governments, employers, and unions, will consider the adoption of a convention to end violence against women and men at work. I talked to Chidi King about the ILO conference. Ms. King is the director of the Equality Department of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITC is the labor body which represents national union centers, such as the Ghana Trades Union Congress at the world level. I began my conversation with Ms. King by asking her to explain what an ILO convention is. Well, an ILO convention is an international labor law. There are two types of ILO labor law standards, if you like, a convention and a recommendation. The difference between the two is that the convention is binding at national level. So member states, once they ratify it, have an obligation to actually ensure its implementation. A recommendation is more guidance to member states. So it's, this is what you should do if um, you choose to do it. And the important difference there in terms of a convention is that it does set a, a minimum standard for countries around the world in relation to the particular topic which it addresses. Will the convention be considered at the ILO's conference in Geneva this year? Um, yes, it will. In fact, this will be the second year of what's called a double discussion. So we had the first discussion in 2018, where conclusions were adopted at the end of it, and then we will have the final discussion on negotiations in 2019. And hopefully at the end of 2019, we will adopt, the ILO conference as a whole will adopt a convention and recommendation to address violence and harassment in the world of work. Why is it important for an ILO convention on violence against women and men at work be adopted? The hashtag MeToo movement and other similar movements actually tell us exactly why this initiative is so important in the world of work. Whilst trade unions had begun um, lobbying and negotiating for this law well before the revelations that came along with hashtag uh, MeToo, I think those revelations have really shown us just how widespread and prevalent sexual harassment in particular but also casual sexism, gender discrimination, and gender-based violence uh, more broadly are in the world of work. And we always say if it took women who were in relative positions um, of power, women in the media industry, women in the entertainment industry, so long to speak up, if they found speaking out so difficult, imagine the situation for a domestic worker working behind closed doors or, you know, a woman working in the supply chains of um, Bangladesh or Cambodia or any other country. 
Here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a tiny sample of the hundreds of union news stories in 31 languages added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the global campaign launched in solidarity with Chinese worker activists recently arrested for their union work, and accounts of violations of fundamental labor rights in Turkey and South Korea. Read news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. South Africa's metal workers union accused police of colluding with their employer to attack strikers and their supporters. English footballers were off the pitch to protest unpaid wages. Spanish steel workers closed a rolling mill as they fought for a reasonable wage increase. Workers building a huge public works project in Brazil down tools over the employer's failure to pay bonuses. Sugar plantation workers in Kenya held a sit-down strike against wage theft. Senegalese truckers parked their loads across the country and began an open-ended strike over wages and a range of other issues this week. Across New Zealand, those who care for intellectually challenged people were protesting workplace violence and abuse. Rubber workers in Turkey took to the streets when they learned that their employer was refusing to recognize their union. Zambian municipal workers struck all across that country as they demanded the payment of their February and March wages. Moroccan contract teachers extended their walkout in a push for regularization. And in Ethiopia, garment workers were picketing their workplace, promising to continue a series of walkouts until their employer agrees to recognize their union. Our top working women's stories included coverage of an anti-sexual harassment initiative on Irish university campuses, a number of fightback events against sexual harassment in a variety of South African workplaces, and a study of the harassment and violence faced by Canadian home care workers. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards Magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the ILO study that found that young workers are far more likely to be injured at work than other workers in the Philippines, calls for industrial manslaughter laws in Australia after the death of an 18-year-old worker, and efforts being made to punish employers who for years have been using police intelligence to blacklist British workers with a history of health and safety activism at work. Currently, Labor Start is running four online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is Ben Grosscup with Union Made, the nurse's version. There once was a union nurse who saw things had gotten worse. She noticed lots of work shifts, lots left blank by the boss who held the purse with only half a crew. He said, you'll bear the work of two. Standards fell, she had to tell that boss just what she'd do. Oh, you can't scare me, I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me, I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union till the day I die. 
This union nurse was wise to the company's rotten lies. The takeaways, co-pays, and ways that Bay State tries to downsize. Nurses give their all, but they can't always be on call. So when the strike vote came around, she boldly stood her ground. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union till the day I die. They offer lousy deals and they're digging in their heels. When will there be a weekend free for friends and family? Oh, you can't scare me. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union, I'm sticking to the union, till the day I die. Nurses work is hard, but if you show your union card, though bosses cut staff to the bone, you will not walk alone. Oh, you can't scare me, I'm sticking to the union, I'm sticking to the union, I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me, I'm sticking to the union, I'm sticking to the And that's it. International labor news you can use. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, that was your radio labor report. Listen up here. Let's hear what happens in a factory in Indianapolis, Indiana, where two workers of the predominantly Mexican workforce were fired for uh, trying to organize protests, trying to go to the bosses and talk. This is what happened when they were dismissed. This motherfucker. Y'all got him fucked up. Come on. <laughs> Look at him. They sent a couple of them home. They all packed they shit up and shut this motherfucker down. Nigga, who y'all think y'all playing with? Mexico, man, this is what black people need to be on, man. I swear to God, I love this shit. They are packing they shit up and shutting this motherfucker. Huh? Uh, oh, my mama. All that shit. <laughs> they are not bullshitting. They packed up. Yeah, I see. It's over. Them motherfuckers now packed up and dipped. They thought they was going to play with these amigos, and they said, oh, yeah, we rise together, homie. And they leaving. And they not bullshitting. Take this in, man. Look at this, man. They shut this big motherfucker down today, man. We all going home, man. The SAs. Look, ain't no grinding, cutting, welding. This motherfucker dead ass quiet. The Mexicans shut this motherfucker down, nigga. Said, fuck you, bitch. And really, and really, this is what I'm talking about, baby. I swear to God, they got me here geeked up. Oh, my Malcolm X shit. Oh, my mama, nigga. Fuck the bullshit, nigga. Look at this. They shut this bitch down. They pissed them off, nigga. And they said, fuck you. We out. We not working no more today. Kiss my ass, nigga. I'll let y'all tomorrow. Oh, my mama. That's great. Look. Ain't nobody here. We're just cleaning up. We're going home. It's over. I'm riding with the essays, nigga. Fuck it. Go to the crib. Go to the... Go to the casa. Hasta la luego, mi Muy bien. You swear to God.
Okay, that's what happens when workers act together. Two of their kind were uh, fired. Two workers were fired for, I guess they were heading up the committee to go talk to the boss. And when those two were fired, the rest, 500 workers, threw down their tools and walked out. <clears throat> All right, this is Labor and Love Radio. And kicking off the uh, second hour here. Let's see. Well, let's see Patty LaBelle. Patty LaBelle um, with Stir It Up.
Patti LaBelle with uh, Stir It Up. Stir It Up. I can't take it anymore.
Okay, we had uh, Natalie Maines, forever um, one of my favorite country and western singers. The Dixie Chicks. She's not ready to make nice. <clears throat> of course, reflecting her take on the big protest uh, that she triggered when she was performing in England and made comments about the Iraq War saying how our president, we're ashamed that he's from Texas. They were talking about Mr. George W. Bush. For that, Patti LaBelle, steer it up. I can't take it anymore. I'm thinking about tomorrow. And before that, our Hispanic workers cut of what happened when in a... <clears throat> in a satellite factory for UPS, what happened when workers organized, named a couple of people to go and negotiate with bosses, and the two were fired. Immediately the workers threw down their tools and walked off the job, and you can hear the, the commentary, which is just beautiful. Um, Look at these, look at this, we're going to the casa, you know. How amazed he is and how energized the whole process makes him. I mentioned at the top of the show that we were going to talk about Luisa Moreno, one of the great organizers who worked in Southern California in the uh, 30s and 40s. Okay. Hispanic workers. Well, let's play some. Okay, here's our Luisa Moreno. Let me read you the labor card first. It says Luisa Moreno. And it talks about uh, Luisa's birth, Guatemala, from a well-to-do family, became a labor organizer. Uh, one of the local stations had a, a sort of a scrubbed, cleaned-up version of Luisa's life. Here, here that is, and we'll talk a little bit more in Washington, D.C., is highlighting the story of Luisa Moreno. She was a civil rights leader and activist you might not know about, but you should. CBS 17's Alexandra Limon reports on the hidden history of Luisa Moreno. It's a name you 
probably haven't heard. Blanca Rosa Lopez Rodriguez. She was a labor organizer and a civil rights leader. She fought for Hispanic workers in the United States, beginning in the depths of the Great Depression. But Blanca Rosa Lopez Rodriguez changed her name and called herself Luisa Moreno. Even her name became a way to stand with Hispanic labor. In Spanish, Blanca means white and Moreno, brown. Her story is the focus of a new exhibit at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Mireya Losa is the curator who oversaw its installation. She's just a figure that predates a lot of work that we think is central to labor organizing. She says Luisa Moreno was born into a wealthy family in Guatemala. She worked as a journalist in Mexico, and she wanted to change the world around her. Then she decides in the U.S. that she will rub shoulders with working class and working poor people and really fight for their rights. Moreno moved to New York City where she worked as a seamstress, but the low wages and poor working conditions propelled her to help organize several strikes, and that set her life on a path dedicated to fighting for fair labor practices. And she decides to organize tobacco workers in Florida, pecan shellers in Texas, and cannery workers in California. Moreno became one of the most prominent labor activists of her time after signing on with the American Federation of Labor, in part because of her powerful writings. She is a poet and an intellectual, and she is a clever writer and thinker. Moreno was also key in creating the Spanish-speaking People's Congress, a California-based coalition of Latinos. It was used to lobby Congress for protections for immigrants, like housing and education reforms in the late 1930s and 1940s. But in 1950, the government issued a deportation order for Moreno. They cited her association with the Communist Party as a risk to national security. And she leaves the U.S. Um, because uh, they threaten her with deportation because of a lot of her union organizing and her work. Moreno returned to Mexico, and she lived in communist Cuba. Ultimately, she died in her native Guatemala. I just think her story is really incredible for this period, and I think she's a really incredible Latina. Luisa Moreno helped pave the way for future activists like Cesar Chavez to declare, yes, we can. Si se puede. In Washington, Alexandra Limon, CBS 17 News. And be sure to join CBS 17's Felicia Bolton as we continue to explore Hispanic... Okay, that was about Luisa Moreno, sort of a thumbnail sketch of her life. Let's add a few details. Uh, she came to live in New York, worked as a seamstress in a factory, and as they say, organized <coughs> work stoppages, participated in strikes. And one night she was involved in picketing a movie with Roy Rogers that... <coughs> She and her comrades said presented Mexicans in a prejudicial, demeaning light. <clears throat> this was in Harlem, and the police arrived and um, beat people up, as they do. And she ran to cradle uh, this guy. This guy's head had been terribly beaten by the police. The story goes that he died in her arms and that 
sort of decided her on a life of uh, organizing. She worked with pecan workers. She worked in Florida with, in the tobacco industry, organizing tobacco workers, and uh, eventually ended up in Southern California, organizing textile and uh, and uh, garment workers. <clears throat> she got involved in the Zoot Suit affair. The Zoot Suit, of course, was the uh, railroading of several Chicano young men, kind of the attitude that we have now, that all these guys are gangsters and they're heartless and uh, they're all the same and was brought up at their trial that uh, they had Aztec blood in their veins and that made them wild and crazy. Uh, so these guys were uh, railroaded and they were convicted <clears throat> of uh, murder. No one ever found out quite who did the murder, but uh, this, this was a a high point of anti-Mexican, anti-Chicano uh, prejudice. Eventually, uh, Luisa Moreno, who organi organized, you know, protests against these policies. I mean, police stood around and let American white servicemen beat up Chicano youth. A lot of the Chicanos were in the service themselves. If you, uh, if you ever look at uh, um, Zoot Suit, a musical. Uh, at any rate, Luisa Moreno was a victim of the Red Scare, organized by former Democratic Congressman and Councilman John Tenney, who turned over and became a uh, a red-baiting, anti-immigrant uh, spokesperson uh, who got rid of people. So Luisa Moreno was deported. She was married to a white guy named Bemis, and Bemis had some sort of uh, uh, disease, sickness, and uh, Luisa, he and Luisa lived together in Mexico City for a while. He died. Uh, she went to Cuba and worked there. Eventually came back to uh, her native Guatemala, where she died. So Lurisa Moreno. Never again can anyone let you ask you who the hell was Lurisa Moreno. Okay, now you know. <laughs> Labor and Love Radio. Let's look at the uh, labor beat. According to Labor 411, 2019 layoffs are the highest for a first quarter in a decade. Everyone's dancing around talking about how great everything is, huh? Layoffs hit their highest level for a first quarter in 10 years as 2019's job market got off to a shaky start, according to a report Thursday from outplacement firm Challenger Gary and Christmas. Total cuts 
hit 190,410 with a 10.3% increase from the fourth quarter and a 35.6% jump from the same period a year ago. Everyone's rocking around crowing. The Donald is crowing how great things are, how the unemployment level is low. Well, that can mean one of several things. It can mean a lot of people aren't getting counted because they've stopped looking for jobs. It could mean that people are moving from well-paying jobs to entry-level things and uh, much lower paying. Or it can mean that the crisis is coming. So, layoffs. Here's something from a woman named Spooky Chalagi. And she's talking about abortion. And she's writing, if abortion becomes illegal... Women and girls are just going to start throwing themselves down the stairs again and shoving coat hangers into their body again, you idiots. You can't get rid of abortion. You're only getting rid of safe, medically supervised ones. I would add, no forced motherhood. This is a woman's decision what to do with her body. Period. And here's Richard Wolf talking about the outrage at Sears. Outrage as Sears cancels life insurance benefits for up to 90,000 retirees. Sears announced this month that an undisclosed portion of the struggling department stores changed 90,000 retirees would be losing their life insurance benefits. The retailers sent letters to the retired employees informing them that their life insurance would be axed as of March 15th, according to Ron Obreich, chairman of the National Association of Retired Sears employees. And some allegedly didn't receive their letter until after the date had passed. These companies are so good at those golden parachutes, at organizing all that stuff. But their employees' life insurance and pensions, huh? Huh? Oh, sorry. A recent benefits report detailed that the company had paid about $16.6 million in premiums for eligible retirees in 2017. According to the notice, retirees have the option to convert all or part of their group life insurance policies to individual whole life policies and pay the premiums. So you have the choice of paying for your life insurance that Sears has been paying for. Tom Dowd of Delaware had worked for the company for 30 years when he retired as a human resources manager in 1996. I spent my life there, my adult life, he told the Chicago Tribune, and if nothing else, that requires a little bit of dignity 
as opposed to a letter saying your benefits are gone. And here's what you can pay to get them back. A little more on that one. It's a picture of a guy, an older guy. This is a Telio, and we're on Labor and Love Radio. A guy named Bill Roberts shared this. He worked at Sears for 44 years. Sears underfunded 16,000 workers' pensions. So Atilio will have to work part-time to make ends meet. Now workers are fighting back. They're asking the courts to investigate $3 billion in dividend payments to rich shareholders of the company lost money and underfunded pensions. They're asking rich shareholders to pay back $270 million, just enough to cover Sears pension commitments. Pass this on. Check the Labor and Love website for this. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Companies going bankrupt and rich shareholders are being paid and workers are not. Here's one from the Washington Post. Report, U.S. government wasted up to $1 billion on charter schools and still fails to adequately monitor grants. U.S. government has wasted up to $1 billion on charter schools that never opened. Okay, this is the Washington Post. Or open and then close because of mismanagement and other reasons, according to a report from an education advocacy group. The study also says the U.S. Education Department does not adequately monitor how, monitor how its grant money is spent. A group asleep at the wheel by the Nonprofacy Advocacy Group Network for Public Education says more than 1,000 grants were given to schools that never opened or later closed because of mismanagement, poor performance, lack of enrollment, or fraud. Of the schools awarded grants directly from the department between 2009 and 16, Nearly one in four either never open or shut its doors. Some of the grants were awarded to charters that set barriers. 34 California charter schools that received grants appear on an American Civil Liberties Union list of charters that discriminate in some cases illegally in admissions. This is the way charter schools finagle some charter schools. They finagle. They don't let kids in who score low, or if kids act out or score low on the tests, they say to the parents, well, maybe our school's not a good fit for your kid. And then, of course, Ms. DeVos, Ms. DeVos, our uh, 
erstwhile Department of Education secretary wants to cut out funding for the Special Olympics, y'all. The Special Olympics. Where challenged kids, physically challenged kids, mentally challenged kids compete and are the stars. Miss DeVos claimed on the stand, talking before the Senate, that the schools were with the Special Olympics received lots of money from donors, from contributions. In other words, we don't want your tax money to do this. We want your contributions. And one more thing, I want to add this one. This is this is Mr. Noah talking about reparations and what happened to African Americans. You guys have any questions before we move on? Anything you want to chat about? No, we good? Yes, sir? Uh, do you think that like reparations should just go to like one like group or like should it target like people that are in the same kind of like Should reparations just go to one group? Because That's an interesting question. What do you mean by that? If I Well, like there are like white people that have like been disenfranchised like recently like Re recently is the key. Recently is the key. Well, the country like deindustrialized, right? So like a lot of people in like manufacturing jobs and stuff like right. were affected. But so 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 to your question, to your question, I think you have to understand what the word reparations means first. So reparations, you are repairing something that you have broken. You are paying for something that you were supposed to pay for. I'm not saying that there aren't people living in America today who are suffering and are going through pain and strife because of what's happening when it comes to um, you know the machines taking jobs, uh, factories becoming industrialized, etc. But reparations is a specific conversation about a specific time in America, and that is black people were slaves. You know what I mean? It, I've even heard people say like, oh, but there were some of the Irish who were indentured. Like, yeah, let's slavery. Look at the numbers, look at the time, look at the level of work. You could not work toward your freedom. For most black people in America, this was a time when you were, that was it, you lived and died as a slave. And so that's what reparations is about. And so I hear what you're saying, but I think that's a completely separate conversation that needs to be had about the now. Because if you, if you are not careful, what you then do is you combine everybody's suffering into the same ball and you make it seem like all injustices have the same weighting and they don't just like crimes you know theft isn't the same as murder we don't try them the same way and as much as there is a white person who's suffering today i feel for anybody who's suffering because i know what it's like to be poor i know what it's like to suffer i didn't come from a wealthy family we struggled when i was growing up but i also understand that there are levels of that suffering you know and so sometimes white people it, it does it does block a white person because you go white privilege and a person goes, I'm poor and I'm white. Where's the privilege? You know, white people are like, I wish I could activate my white privilege. I wish I could do it right now. White privilege! Give me something. <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. Trust me, I get it. 
It is hard to accept that you have benefits because of the color of your skin if you cannot see the benefits that you have. But the thing I try to explain to a person is, think of it more like golf. Don't think of it as privilege, then think of it like a handicap. Right? In golf, they acknowledge that you are in a position where you need so many advantages to be competitive in the game. Right? So what they say is you have a handicap of 15, so that means like you're going to be hitting from this tee and you get more chances to get the ball in because we understand the position you're in. And if you're a black person in America, from slavery, from day one, the number of injustices that have held black people back in America amount to an insurmountable, like you, you, look, at, you look at black people's freedom, you look at black people's land, just, just land alone. The amount of wealth you can, you can acquire over time if you own land is exponential because you have the land, you have the fact that you can borrow based on the land, you have the fact that you can use the money that you have borrowed to grow more wealth, you can use it to grow your family's wealth. Just taking that away from black people alone is crippling them. And so you combine that with slavery and then you look at Jim Crow laws. You didn't let black people in America live in the areas that they wanted to live in. They couldn't get loans from the banks that they wanted to get loans from. And then on top of that, when they started getting the loans from American banks, American banks were found to be giving them higher interest rates when in fact they were the same risk as many of the other races that they were, they were, they were giving loans to. So when you combine all of those things, I think it's safe to say that black Americans have a conversation that they need to be having with the United States. Doesn't involve me, doesn't involve white people, doesn't, it's like, it's like, yo, American government, meet the black people. That's it. Have that conversation. Okay, that was uh, Trevor Noah talking about reparations. Someone in the audience asked him, uh, shouldn't reparations be paid to white people because we're suffering too. And he goes back and traces the whole history of the question. And one more. We have spent $32 million per hour on war since 2001. And the comment of Radio and Labor and Love Radio is, if you're ever wondering where the money is, $32 million per hour. $32 million per hour. Schools and hospitals and... and other institutions are closing down, are raising their fees because they need money and we're spending 32 million dollars an hour. This is from Common Dreams. It's a good time to reflect on what this war, the Iraq war, the longest in US history has cost Americans and others around the world. According to estimates by the Cost of War Project at Brown University, the war on terror has cost Americans a staggering $5.6 trillion since 2001 when the U.S. invaded Afghanistan. $5.6 trillion. Not just the Pentagon's war fund, but also future obligations such as social services, for an ever-growing number of post-9-11 veterans. It's hard to grasp even such an enormous number. It means Americans spent $32 million an hour 
according to a counter by the National Priorities Project at the Institute for Policy Studies. Put another way, since 2001, every American taxpayer has spent almost $24,000 on the war, equal to the average down payment on a house, a new Honda Accord, or a year at a public university. The budgetary costs pale in comparison with the human toll. Well, check it out. It's on Common Dreams. The heading is we have spent $32 million per hour on war since 2001. You don't need the reply of Labor and Love Radio. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. You certainly don't. Let's look at our credos. We had our mottos earlier. These are our credos. First credo goes like this. And it's by uh, a friend of labor, U. Utah Harris. And he's talking about what unions have done. Kids don't have a little brother working in the coal mine. They don't have a little sister coughing her lungs out in the looms of the big mill towns of the Northeast. Why? Because we organized. We broke the back of those sweatshops in this country. We have child labor laws. Those were not benevolent gifts from enlightened management. They were fought for, you all. They were bled for, they were died for by working people. By people like us, like you, like me. Kids ought to know that. That's why I sing these songs. That's why I tell these stories, damn it. No root, no fruit. That's why we work with CFT, the CFT Labor in the Schools Committee, now the CFT Labor in the Schools slash Climate Justice Committee, to organize people by educating them in what labor unions have done, what the labor movement has done. New Utah Phillips. Number two. It bothers you? Undocumented people? Is that a problem? Is that our problem here? Pardon me, it's a way of dividing the working class. Can I tell you a secret? Writes Jesse Memmer. I don't even care if there are undocumented immigrants in this country. Without social security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal people trying to live a better life. Normal working people. This whole wall, deport the illegals BS, is just the 1% convincing the working poor to blame a subset of the working poor for the fact that they're all poor. Instead of realizing The reason they are all poor is due to vast income inequality and resource price inflation in combination with wage stagnation. Please use your brains for heaven's sake. 
The existence of another poor person is not why you're poor. <coughs> it's because the people who control everything refuse to increase your wages. And finally, you're just not the, that into politics. This is a good one, because everywhere, you know, oftentimes you're talking to people and they say, well, I'm not into politics. I don't want to get involved with that. You're just not that into politics. So you're just not that into politics. Your boss is, your landlord is, your insurance company is, and here's the big secret. Every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. Hey, it's time to get into politics. Those are our credos on the Labor and Love radio show. And... Uh, I'm going to play uh, Aaron Neville. This will be our last set. We're just about, we're getting ready to get out of here. Um, but we do have a little time. And here's Aaron Neville. There's a train coming You don't need no baggage You just get up on board All you need is faith To hear the diesel's humming You don't need no ticket You just thank the Lord I believe I believe People get ready There's a train to Jordan Picking up passengers From coast to coast Faith is a key Open the doors and pour them There is hope for all Among those loved the most But there's no hiding place against the kingdom's throne.
those days of the train are coming You don't need no baggage You just get a home on board All you need is faith To hear the diesel's humming You don't need no ticket You just thank the Lord Give you love, live your life 
natural obligation to what we own and claim, possessing and belonging to, acknowledging a name. So keep your hand wide open if you're needing love today, 'cause you can't lose it even if. is uh, to my Sylvia <clears throat> ella cumpleaños el lunes She's, her birthday is on Monday <clears throat> and I want to play this song for her and they're going a grueling program of uh, medication and let's see There's a certain song sitting on the dock of the bay. There it is. Ivory Joe Hunter. Since I met you, baby, my whole life has changed. Same. 
every way I can. Okay, that was for you, Sylvia. of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is. Darn good. 
special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Benders is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Benders Bar and Grill. (laughs) 
Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips, don't know anything about it, sorry. <laughs> All so, on my limited view. Yes, every Tuesday from 12 to 2. Uh, oh, you can if you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah, and Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes, oh, you already said that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh, my God, there's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your review. Yes. Bye. Bye. That, was, that kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to Black Black Classic Muni Radio.fm. All these records are from uh, Garage Sale last week, except for this one that just came in the mail.